it's time to go deeper. The problem with that is that as Americans, we've become more and more accustomed to not go deep. We prefer to stay shallow. To stay, it's, it's easier, it's more convenient to stay on a shallow, superficial surface level. Going deep requires work. There's a difference between going deep and a shallow surface level. Just look at relationships and how we interact with people. We can talk the weather, we can tell, talk about sports all day long, and then as soon as someone asks the question, what's going on in your life? Whoa, did I give you permission to ask that? That's different, that's deeper, it's uncomfortable. You look at knowledge, especially the knowledge of things in the age of the internet today, you've, you look at how, how do most of us get our news or how do we learn about things it's usually by just reading the headlines or if we do click on the headlines to actually read the article if we click on it oftentimes it's scrolling through and skimming through the article quickly or it's double tapping the video to skip ahead five seconds ten seconds to real quick watch it or We'll spend three minutes on a Wikipedia page to learn about a topic. And of course, after we spend three minutes on a Wikipedia page, fast forward through a video or read a headline or skim through an article, we become experts at whatever given topic that is. Of course, on a surface level, shallow level, that's not deep knowledge of something. One can know that the Cubs are a baseball team in Chicago, actually the only baseball team in Chicago, they, you, you can even know you can even know some players on the team, but that's a elementary level. It can be like me on the other hand of growing up, and I knew every player on the batting order. I knew their averages. I knew who was in the minor minor league system. That's a different level of knowledge. That's a deeper level of knowledge. We're no longer on the surface. Because we've become so accustomed to stay on the shallow with so many things, it's easy to be content with a shallow relationship with Jesus. And you and I were not made to have a shallow relationship with Jesus. We long to be in deep relationship with him. We long for it. He longs for that for us. We were created for it. To be in, the way the church talks about it is to have union with him, to have intimacy with Jesus. Because in that spot with union, intimacy with Christ is where healing takes place. It's where one can have lasting peace in their life. They can thrive. And this is why the church gives us Lent. Lent is this time of transformation. It's this time where we can look at it and say, man, like, you know what? I've been living or I have this shallow relationship with Jesus. Maybe I've had that of late. Maybe I've always had it. I can approach these 40 days now to say, let's go deep. That's what Lent's for. And yet I've come to learn that for, for many of us, we'll enter into these 40 days and we won't go deep. Because we've, we've become content with this mediocrity. We've become content wherever we're at in our spiritual life, whatever level we're at, we've maybe grown used to it, at the level that we're at, and this is just the way it is with me, or for me. And I think 
couple of reasons for that is one is we think, well, this deep stuff, you're talking about, Father Mark, this deep union, intimacy, this language that you're using with regards to a relationship with Jesus, that's for the holy people. That's for those people that I see and clearly they're holy. Or it's, it's I'm too big of a sinner. He, he, he doesn't want to or he can't go deep with somebody like me. The things that I struggle with, the habits that I have, I'm not one that God can go deep with. I don't have it, I don't have it in me to, to, to go on this deep level, intimacy, union with Jesus. Both of those are utter nonsense. Each and every one of us here in this church this morning, no matter where we come from, where we're at in our spiritual life, we're, we're made to go deep. We're created to go deep. It's point of the Christian life is to have this union with Christ, this intimacy with him. And there's only one way that happens. There are no shortcuts. The only way that happens is through prayer and silence. And we're going to talk about that next week. But we can't do that this week. This week, we can't just jump to prayer and silence. First, we got to take a step in the desert. The church invites us in the desert. So why the desert? getting specific, and that's some homework for us to do before we come back next week. Why the desert? The desert is, a, is the place we go deeper with him. Because in the desert, there's no distractions. In the desert, there's no clutter. The diversions kind of go by the wayside in the desert. And distractions, clutter, diversions are a big challenge to us to face, to get to, to pray. They are the thing that keeps us oftentimes from having a a successful Lent, from having this opportunity to go deeper, to have this spot of transformation. And that's why the church every year, the first Sunday of Lent gives us the gospel reading of Jesus going on the desert. Whether it's Matthew, Mark, or Luke and John, we hear the account of which we just heard of Jesus going on the desert to do battle against Satan. And as we talked about a few weeks ago, Satan's clever. He knows we're susceptible. And especially he knows modern man. And he knows that we especially struggle with being susceptible of of distractions, diversions, and clutter that we have. C.S. Lewis, a great 20th century Christian author, one of his books is called The Screwtape Letters. And The Screwtape Letters is a a letter, it's a a series of correspondence between a, a senior demon who he's kind of training and showing the ropes to a junior guy tempter, demon, who's just kind of learning the way and how to best tempt his patients, the one he's assigned to, a human. And here, the senior tempter, Screwtape, he's mentoring the junior, Wormwood, and Wormwood's getting all excited as he's learning the way, and he's getting excited about learning the new ways to tempt his new patient. And the senior, more veteran demon says, whoa, 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 easy young buck. You don't, you don't have to, don't, don't bother with all these heavy temptations here. All you have to do is distract them. He says it takes a lot less work on your part to have a person just waste their time through worthless distractions. That's where you want to spend your time as a little demon. And he goes and he says this. He says this to Wormwood. He says, you will find that anything or nothing is sufficient to attract his wandering attention. 
You no, longer need, you no longer need a good book, which he really likes, to keep him from his prayers. A column of advertisements in yesterday's paper will do. You can make him waste his time in conversations and things he cares nothing about, on subjects that bore him. You can make him do nothing at all for long periods. You can keep him up late at night, not with having a good time, but staring at a dead fire in a cold room. That was in 1942. There was no phones then in 1942. We're no longer staring at a, at a dead fire in a cold room, but rather screens, whether that be phones, tablets, or a TV. So let's get specific. It'd be really hard to imagine somebody going into Lent and having a successful Lent without making some adjustments to screen time, whether that be on the phone, YouTube, social media. Maybe if we're more old school here this morning and we've maybe got a little, we're a little more uh, seasoned, it's cutting back the time of news that we spend watching the news. Chances are, no matter who we are in here this morning, chances are screen time's preventing us from going deeper with him. For every one of us. For the last seven weeks, Alex and myself, and along with about 30 other men here at the parish, have given up social media and any uh, non-essential even surfing the internet. Gone, or Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you name the social media app, they're gone, off my phone. I remember after the first day, Alex, Alex came into my room after the first day we were talking and how things were going and, and I made the comment and I told him and he concurred right along with me saying, I told him the number of times throughout the day that I picked up my phone and turned to the phone to, in the, the slightest lull that I had in the day, the smallest amount of idle time, I just turned to my phone to pick it up and then with those apps gone, I found myself just looking at my phone, what can I open? What can I do? And I resorted to just refreshing my email. <laughs> What I found is that the knee-jerk reaction in me was so strong to pick up my phone in the smallest and the slightest of idle time. The muscle memory that is built up in me to turn to the phone as a mean of diversion and distraction was so strong. And here's the thing, I didn't grow up with a phone. I got a phone in college. So if I have that at 34 years old, some of you here in this church that's all you know. It's all you know. Generation Z, those born after 1996, which Alex is part of, he reminded me yesterday. This is the first, this is the first generation who grew up with social media in junior high. And what we're finding, and it's obvious, is that they're especially having a harder time to go deep, to go deeper with Jesus. We have an entire generation where we're finding that they're more anxious, they're more fragile, and more depressed. Colin Karchner, a guy I've been following, he travels around the country speaking to junior high and high school kids and on the effects of social media. And I especially remember him mentioning one time he was speaking to 500 middle schoolers and he hands out a piece of paper to all of them and he asks them to finish this sentence. One thing my parents don't know about social media is what? And they all write down 
and they handed it in. Here's some responses. One thing my parents don't know about social media is how much I love it and hate it at the same time. Is it makes me very, very insecure. One thing my parents don't know about social media is it makes me sad and depressed. One thing parents, my parents don't know about social media is how much is, is how it puts pressure on me to be perfect. One teenage girl says this, Colin, I received my first phone and social media accounts when I was 11 years old. At age of 11, everything evil was at my fingertips. Pornography on my feed, accounts that promoted eating disorders and self-harm. This stuff destroyed me. I wish so badly that my parents had monitored my phone when I was young and saved me from that darkness. I dealt with suicide attempts, self-harm, anorexia, hospital visits, countless therapy and addiction. I was lucky to survive. It took away my innocence and it taught me to hate who I am today. That is not a unique case. The number of girls out of 100,000 in this country admitted to the hospital because they harmed themselves, that number was pretty stable up until around 2010, 2011. And as, as soon as 2000, 2011 hit, that number goes way up. It's up 62% in older teen girls, aged 15 to 19. It's up 189% for preteen girls, ages 10 to 14. What's more troubling are suicide rates. For older teen girls, it's up 41% in the last 10 years. For preteen girls, ages 10 to 14, it's up 141%. The pattern, of course, it's complex. It's complex, but the pattern, what many sociologists and psychologists are saying is that the pattern points to when the social media became very apparent in the pockets of young people at the age of, or in the year 2008. I see, I see this all the time. And when I talk with kids in the office, in the confessional, we have a problem. This is not to encourage everyone to go home and throw away their phones. Like, that's not realistic. In our day and age, like, the phone is part of an everyday essential. Before you leave the house, you check your keys, you check for your phone, you, or you check for your wallet, and you check your, for your phone. I'm no different than you with that. It's the same thing with me. But it is to help us, so it's not to go home and throw away our phones, but it is to say, it's to help us to see for most of us going deep with Christ, having time for silence and prayer is more and more difficult because of our phones. And it's harder for our kids, for you younger youth here to do that. But not just for you, for me too, for us that are older. That's why we need to clear the clutter here. We need to make room, space. If not, we can't go deep. We can't go deep with them. So here's some homework for us before we come back next week. I suggest we all look at our phones today over the course of this week and with Christ, ask this question. What are the one or two apps that you find yourself going to when you just have idle time? You find yourself going to, to seek fulfillment, not even knowing that I'm going to seek fulfillment when I do it. And then delete it for 40 days. Delete those one or two apps for 40 days. Or maybe another way to ask this question, what's the one or two apps that's keeping me from greatness? Or maybe some of us need to ask the question, what's the one or two apps that are keeping me, 
What are the one of the two apps that lead me to sin consistently? And it's not, hey, look, look at me, I deleted an app for 40 days. No, it's, it's, it's asking Christ to reveal to me where I may have been held captive for some time because of this or that, because of screen time. How is it, Lord, that I seek out comfort in other things that are not you? Help me to clear the clutter, to make space, to clear out the distractions so to go deep with you. One last thing, I remember last year around this time, I was speaking to 400 junior high kids in Woodridge, and it was right before Lent, and I just suggested that for Lent, that they delete their social media. They delete, I suggested that they just delete one of them. Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, YouTube, one of them. And when I suggested that of the 400 kids there, there was an audible gasp. One of the eighth grade girls in the back, she literally shrieked in shock that I even, that I even suggested it. That is to say, I've come to realize that for, for many youth, making that move to delete an app, it's not possible. Like they, don't ha- they can't do it. So that is to say, parents, they may need help to do it for 40 days. And maybe just one word here to the youth that are here. For the youth that are here, we'll say anyone is a youth who's younger than me. Allow the church these 40 days to teach you how to be happy. Let the church teach you how to be happy these 40 days. Not the happiness that's fleeting, but I'm talking authentic, deep happiness of which your heart longs for and craves. So let's go deep. Let's be transformed. To not stay on the shallow, superficial level, but to go deep with Christ. And this happens only by the means of prayer and silence, which we're going to look at next week. But before that, we got to clear the clutter by going in the desert. But as you go into the desert, just don't bring your phones with you.